0: Amen. You guys can be seated. You made it. You made it through the standing marathon. You made it through all the crazy crowds. You've sifted through the hayride traffic. You're here. That is something, all right, yeah, that's beautiful, that's great. You know, <laughs> never mind, I was just about to make a bad joke. All right, uh, we're off to a roaring start with my bad jokes in my head that I'm going to fight off for the rest of the night. Um, but no, truly, you have made it. Um, let me ask you this as we get going. Um, who has moved in the last year? Raise of hands, yes? Who's moved in the last year? Good. Okay, so now, who has moved in next to you or near you in the last year? Have you, anybody got new neighbors in the last year? Yes? No? Maybe so? Okay, so somewhat a common experience that in the last year there's been a lot of transition, a lot of movement. Uh, today we are celebrating and uh, this culmination of Advent, but more than that, it is moving day for Jesus. It is the time when he was not created. No. It is the time when he moved from heaven to earth. And I don't know about you, but when I get new neighbors, um, I probably do some of the same things that you do. I, I first think about like, who's there? What kind of people are they? And then if I'm really honest, I start to judge them by just superficial means. Do you do this at all? No, am I the only one? I'm the only one that judges people by superficial means? Good. I'm so good to be putting myself in front of you today. That's fantastic. But what happens for you when someone new moves into your neighborhood? What happens for you? Uh, For us, we've had two new neighbors in the last, I don't know, three to six months, probably three months. Um, One across the park from us, which we've never met. The only thing that I know about them across the park, I don't know, around the corner, across the park, I can see them, but they're a little bit further off. Um, I don't know anything about them except what their realtor has told to to me about them. They're from the Midwest. That's the only thing I know. But the other thing that, um, the other neighbors that we have moved in right next to us. And that's actually a house that's a rent house, and it's got some high turnover. In the last two years, there's been three families that have lived there. And so we're excited to meet our new neighbors, but we also know it's a little bit temporary. But the things that we know about our next door neighbors is way different than the neighbors that we have over there. Our next door neighbor, we know their names, we know their story, we know that they've got a fourth grader that comes over to our house every day after school and plays with our kids. See, the closer that our new neighbors, both new, both moving in about the same time, but the closer that they came to us, the more impact they've had on our lives. We lived in a different neighborhood around the corner, or in a different house in the same neighborhood a couple of years ago. When we, moved, when we moved half a mile down the road, it changed who we saw on a regular basis. It changed who our kids played with on a regular basis. No longer was it as accessible as it once was. And though we now live across from an expansive park, we're just a little too far for some of those kids to come down the road for us. Proximity matters as much as presence matters. So, when we talk about Jesus coming to earth, two things we're going to talk about tonight that he's here, he's in the same neighborhood, but he's also near. He's here and he's near. See, all the things that we just read over the last, I don't know, 30 minutes or so was this beautiful picture of God preparing the way for Savior, the Savior, to come to the earth in Jesus. He appears to Mary and to Joseph and to the shepherds and to the wise men and on and on we could talk about how he kind of progressively revealed himself as he got closer and closer to making his way to the earth. For me, when I think about Christmas, I'm thinking about the one thing that matters, and that is God's presence. When we think about Jesus coming to earth, singing and longing for the presence of God, that's what we are celebrating tonight the presence, the proximity of our Savior. It's only one part of the story, and so if you're here for the first time at the Grove, or perhaps you're here for the first time at any church since Easter, my prayer for you is that you would find a loving group of people to be a part of throughout the year, because you're only getting little glimpses of God's grand story in his coming as a baby and his dying as a man, and there is so much more to behold along the way. As we dig in tonight, And as we read throughout the story tonight, we see a common mother with an unplanned pregnancy in a mixed family. For some of us, that's our story. Unplanned pregnancy, mixed family, stepdads, weird, I don't don't even know how to do all that. That's the kind of family, very common, that Jesus was born into. He had a stepdad named Joe, and he found their way all the way to Bethlehem. They were terrified, this young mother-to-be, this young father, two first-time parents welcoming their baby son into the world. They were surrounded by family. They were surrounded by animals and everything that animals bring with them. And in that setting, the God of the universe touches down and moves into our neighborhood. And I wonder what our response is. Is it the response that I have of my neighbors that are over there? Or is it the response that I have with a neighbor that's right here? See, the neighbor right here comes into my house every day, plays with my kids every day. And the neighbor over there, I don't even know their name. But Jesus has come. And I want to read some more scripture for us so that we can understand not just the physical reality of Joseph and Mary and Jesus but this spiritual reality that's come to fruition here on Christmas Eve. It's in John 1. If you have your Bible or you've got like a tablet or a phone, you can bring that up. That's where we're going to be. Or if you don't want to do any of that, that's fine. It's Christmas Eve. We get it. You've got other things on your mind. You're ready for me to probably be done already so you can get to your Christmas Eve dinner. But we're not ready yet. Instead, John 1 would say this. John 1, verse 1. Talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. God's message, God's self-revelation is this Word. And what we know from context is this Word is Jesus Himself. He says He was in the beginning with God. Like before Genesis 1, He was there. All things were made through Him. All of Genesis 1, all Genesis 2, that all happened through The word, through Jesus, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I don't have time to go through all of that, but that last part just makes me realize that there are some people that are kind of going through a dark night in this room. Christmas means loss. Christmas means a reminder of what you used to have or what you wished you could have but never received. That's what Christmas sometimes means to many people. That's a dark place. It can be. I love the promise of verse 5 that the darkness has not overcome the light in Jesus. If you hear nothing else from me, perhaps that's the one thing you need to hear as we gather around the Christ candle tonight. The First thing I want us to understand is that Christmas means that Jesus is here. He's in the neighborhood. He's in Pecan Grove, in Richmond, in Fort Bend County. He's in Texas. He's in the U.S. He's in the world. He's here. Jesus is here. And though the Son was with the Father in the beginning, He was sent to be our Savior, not just from our discomforts, but from death, from darkness. That's why He says He came to be the light. He came to be not only the light, but life itself. So God lights up our night by fulfilling this long-awaited promise of His presence to be with His people. See, it was God's presence that was promised in the Old Testament. That's what we've sung about all night long with Emmanuel, God with us. We've longed for you, O baby son. That's the promise that has gone down all throughout Scripture for literal millennia, that God himself would be with us. And that is the system by which every other religion gets organized, that they're trying to be with God. And in fact, that was part of the Old Testament, Right? That they would climb up a mountain to go be with God. And yet God has descended, come down the mountain to be with his people. It was God's presence that was David's comfort when he was on the run from his enemies. It was God's presence that was Israel's hope when they were in exile. It was God's presence which sustained Moses as he led Israel through the desert. When Moses would ask things like, how will we know that we are your people? How will the world know that we are yours? Is it going to be by a mighty army? Is it going to be by, by, by anything that would be substantial, that these people would know and therefore be terrified? And the Lord answers in Exodus 33, 14. The way that they're going to know that I sent you, Moses, the way that you're going to know that I'm here and truly going to be your defender, your shield, your rock... My presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. This is something that that we don't really understand in a digital age. Something, as I say that, there's literal notifications going off on our phones. Uh, We really don't understand being just simply present with others, and yet God is making it obvious how he wants to be present with us. The same promise of presence is made known to us in the person of Jesus. This presence and this promise that was given to Moses in Exodus 33 was then stood before humanity in Matthew 11 when he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's this beautiful picture of presence and rest. And the fulfillment of that coming in the person of of Jesus. You see, Jesus is here. And Christmas reminds us that there is no greater gift than the presence of God. You will not unwrap anything better. I don't care what it is. It could be that Lamborghini. <laughs> it could be. There's nothing you will unwrap or walk out to your driveway to that will overcome the joy that you will have in just one moment in the presence of Jesus that's the promise that we have when Jesus comes to earth when he left heaven and came to earth common born to a mixed family in a dark and stank place in Jesus God is here but he isn't far off in a distant land he is instead dwelling amongst his people because Jesus isn't just here on the earth somewhere roaming he's near And he couldn't be any nearer if he tried. And I'll try and unpack it this way in John 1 as we continue on. And I'm going to skip all the way down to verse 14 when he picks up this narrative about the Word, the message from God in Jesus, the full revelation of God's character to be found in God's Son, Jesus. Verse 14 says this, And the Word, the Word that was with God, The word that was with God in the beginning, the word that was God in the beginning, that word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I love how Eugene Peterson puts this passage. He says, The word became flesh and blood, and he moved into the neighborhood. And as fresh as those words are for many of us, he didn't just move into the neighborhood, he moved in way closer than that. I'll illustrate it by saying this. If you and I wanted an audience with the ruler of this nation, do you think you would get it? He's in a far-off city that isn't near here. He's he's here. He's in like our general proximity. He's kind of within driving distance. But do you think you would get an audience with the ruler of our nation? He dwells in a white house in a city that is far away. And if we wanted to see him, we'd have to go through unimaginable barriers of security, of of, of kind of double-checking character, of making sure that your question was actually, or your need was actually worth hearing by the president. We would go through unimaginable barriers to get there. And I will guarantee you that if it doesn't match up in all those different things, and even if it does, none of us in this room would probably stand a chance to get, a pre- to get a, 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 you know, some kind of a, a working uh, time with the president. And if you think that's rough for us, try being an Old Testament saint. Because for Moses, he was just about the only one In the Old Testament, when you get to Moses and then, of course, a select few other prophets, David, of course, high priests, of course. But as I've already mentioned, only a select few, really, people got into the presence of God. And God would only meet with them on select time and select places in hard-to-reach places. Moses met with God at the top of a mountain, not at the bottom, where we all would be. As a matter of fact, at the bottom of the mountain, God set up a law to make sure that no one would touch the mountain of God. And if anyone did, they would be struck down immediately. You see this all throughout the Old Testament. Moses' nephews, Nadab and Abihu, or I don't even know their names anymore. Nadab and Abihu, yeah. Moses' nephews, they were killed for unauthorized fire in Leviticus 10. Of course, the law prohibit anybody from touching the mountain. And then you see it again with Uzzah, which I don't know if anybody named their kids Uzzah. Is there a new Uzzah in the room that I don't know any about? Uzzah, anybody named their kids Uzzah? Wiley? No? Uzzah, he was killed for trying to catch the ark. The ark falls off balance. Uzzah, being a good old Samaritan, goes down and tries to catch the ark before it hits the ground, drops dead immediately. Because all that was unauthorized. You were not to come in the presence of God as a commoner. God's presence was not to be messed with, especially for common people. Heck, even Moses' family, even the the, the priestly line, if you were not authorized, you could not come near. So to get to this promise of God's presence, Moses met with God, not within the camp. To receive this promise of the presence of Exodus 33, he didn't meet with God amidst the camp. And the reason for that is because if we read the Old Testament, Exodus 32 tells us that they had just committed the heinous sin of this this bull that they created out of their own gold, this golden calf that was created. And so God was not going to meet in the presence of such sinners. Instead, Moses goes out of the camp and he creates a tent of meeting and he says this, this is what the Bible says in Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from camp, and he called it the tent of meeting, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Friends, We start talking about the incarnation of Jesus that God would take on flesh and blood. He didn't just move into the neighborhood. He didn't just come near our camp, so to speak, so that we would have to go out to meet him. He didn't just come at the top of the mountain so that just a select few of us could go and be with him. No, he came all the way down the mountain. He came all the way inside of our house. And he says, I'm here. My presence is now with you. In Jesus, God isn't just here. He is near. When Jesus came to earth, he dwelt amongst his people. He's not in another continent. He's not in another country. He's not in another state, another city, another county. Not in another neighborhood. But Ephesians 2 would say he has truly come and dwelled in us. In our hearts. In the midst of all the hoopla that Christmas can be, In the midst of all the rush, of all the hurriedness, of all the crazy, of all the schedules that we've all been committed to over the last couple of weeks, don't miss this one thing. When the Father sent His Son, He did so to a darkened humanity. God proves that His Word can be trusted again and again. He promises, his promises can be taken to the bank. No matter what you're going through, no matter how far off you think his promises are to you, no matter how much you think you don't deserve to hear from him, he has promised to not leave you as an orphan. He's promised to dwell with you because he created all things. He knows how everything works. He has architected all things, including our own complexities of our own lives, of our own schedules, of our own problems. And his answer isn't, figure it out. Instead, his answer is, I'm coming. I'm here. I'm near. You see, tonight, is again this culmination of God's, we've, we've longly awaited God's presence to be made known amongst us. The same glory that was revealed to a few in the Old Testament is now made obvious in Jesus for all to see, for all to receive, for all to find rest. And he's not just a new neighbor down the street. Jesus has now moved into our hearts and dwelled in us. And Christmas, this coming of Jesus is the fulfillment of our longing to be for God to be with us. That's what we've sang about for four weeks. But it is also the fulfillment of God's longing to be with his people. See, since Adam and Eve, there's just been longing from from God to, to come to earth, to be with his people, because that's what was lost in the garden. The full presence of God with humanity. And so he peeks in and out of the earth with Moses and David and some of the prophets. And then he comes in fullness permanently with Jesus. And God has been moving heaven and earth to be with his people. And now Christmas reminds us that in Jesus, God has put skin on to be with us. The question I want to leave us with as we will get fire here in a minute and sing Silent Night, but before we do any of that, Before we go get our kids from the nursery or from the preschool and bring them back in for the fire show. Before we do that, the question is this. Do we treat him like a neighbor in another city? Do we treat him like a ruler in a faraway land? Do we treat him like he's some kind of a neighbor that we run into at the grocery store? And that's just super awkward, right? When You're like, I think I know them. I don't really know them. And you kind of do the thing, the dance in the aisles. You guys have all done this, Yes. You do the dance in the aisles, you're like, I'm really in a hurry. Do we do that with Jesus? Do we treat him like that neighbor? Do we treat him like the neighbor who's moved in across the park that I haven't taken any time to go and meet and see and know who they are? What would happen if they were truly an angel sent from God? The Bible says that can happen. Or do we treat him like the neighbor that's moved next door that we invite over when it's convenient for us at the end of the day to keep my kids busy? Or better yet, do we treat Jesus like the neighbor who's not just next door, not down the street, not in the same neighborhood, but now he's in your house. He demands your living room. He doesn't want a guest room. He wants your living room. Better yet, he wants a setting at your table tonight. And Better yet, he wants the throne in your heart. See, that's what Jesus came for. Not just by a fly by night Savior that would come in and leave, but to set things right, to make things new, to bring you out of the darkness into the light. And though you had a head full of rocks and a heart full of stone, He wanted to renew all of that and bring you into the fold of God. See, that's what Christmas is about God leaving the majesty of heaven to dwell amongst sinners not just to fix what was broken, but to bring dead people to life. See, that's what happened when it started in the cradle. That's what will ultimately happen when Jesus comes with a crown. He will make all things new. That's what he said he would do. Tonight, we celebrate. We celebrate God coming to the earth to bring us life, to bring us light And to bring us his presence. Let's pray. Father, we don't want to treat you like you're a king in a faraway land or a ruler in a white house in a different city. We don't want to treat you like a neighbor down the street. We don't want to treat you like anything other than what you demand to be treated. King of kings, Lord of lords, titles. But who are you really in our lives? We start thinking about what you did to change us, to come to us, moving heaven and earth, becoming a human. Our our words cannot express all that you have done. And so we, Lord, ask by your spirit, would you help us make sense of this miracle? Help us not take it for granted or create some sort of sentimental feeling that comes along with Christmas. All those are good, but instead let this reality totally change our lives. Let us be renewed by the hope of the coming of Christ. Let us be, find rest in the peace that has come in Christ. Let us shout with joy because of the coming of Christ. And let us be forever changed because of the love that has come in your son Jesus. So as we respond and as some of us go get our kids from the nursery or from the pre-K class, Lord, would you help us sing about unspeakable joy, about the joy, about the peace that passes all understanding. When we don't even understand it, we know that you are coming, you are near, and you are here. The true light, which enlightens enlightens everyone, has now come into the world. May we bask in that light to find life. In Christ's name, amen.